Okay, let's, let me pray real quick. Father, um, thank you for this opportunity that you give us to be blessed this morning. And I pray that, um, that my words would be your words, that they'll be clear, that they would be effective, and that um, there would be something that each woman would glean um, from this morning, either from each other or for the words that I speak. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are in Genesis 10, if you want to open your Bibles. Um, I have a question for you first. How many of you know your father's name? How many know your grandfather's name? How about your great-grandfather's name? One of them. So what about a step further, your great-great-grandfather's name? That's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. So how many of you have a family member that's into genealogy? Okay, fine. So here is a, here's a family tree. Um, you notice it's blank. <laughs> um, I have all the information, but I have not filled it out. I want to, but I haven't. Um, and so it made me wonder... Like, why God saw fit to preserve this genealogy in, Geno in Genesis chapter 10? Why is that preserved in written form for us? We're all familiar with the verse in 2 Timothy 3.16, but I just wanted to read it for us. It says that all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so I pray that that happens today for us. After meditating on Genesis 10 and 11 for the last several weeks, I've concluded that maybe Genesis 10 is not so much about the names, although individuals are very important to God, um, or even recognizing them in other parts of Scripture or where these folks have migrated to, um, even though that's interesting to anthropologists. But I think as Christians, God wants us to know that we are all sinners that we're all from dust, that we're all from Adam, from Noah, and from one of his three sons. But also that God has intervened in this world family to give us a savior from our sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is 100% man and 100% God, and that he alone is able to forgive sin and to bring us into a right relationship with God forever. I'm going to raise this up just a little bit. There we go. So when we get to genealogies in the Bible, like Genesis 10, be thankful it's there um, as a reference, um, but mostly be thankful that it shows us who we are apart from Jesus and who we are in Christ. The author of the study that you guys have been working on, Jen Wilkins, has a lot of details about these people and the nations that evolved I want to encourage you to listen to her um, because I'm not going to do that, <laughs> um, and you're probably glad. <laughs> um, but do remember that Genesis 10 is a great reference to refer to as you study other scripture, and above all, be reminded, yes, I am a sinner, yes, I need Jesus, and yes, God intervenes to restrain the evil that I am capable of, even as a Christian, so I can have life to the full. I want to read in 2 Corinthians 5 um, verses 14 and 15 from the message 
Bible because it's a good focus for us today. It says that our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 9, verse 19 first, where it says, These were the sons of Noah who were scattered over the earth. This speaks ahead of what will be explained in Genesis 11. Most biblical scholars, and I'm going to go along with Jen Wilkins here, um, believe that actually Genesis 11 happened before Genesis 10. So let's look at Genesis 11, verses 1 and 2 where it says that now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. So it's tempting to think that Genesis 11 is all about the origin of languages, and it does cover that. But let's focus more on what we can learn about God and what we can learn about people, us, and the relationship between God and people. It looks like they're embracing God's plan because they moved eastward towards Shinar. Um, like they were going to fill the earth. But they soon get a better idea. So have you ever gotten distracted by something that takes you away from God's call? Perhaps you started out well, committed, but then life got busy. People influenced you away or other activities enticed you. And soon God's call how he wants to bless you becomes a burden, and soon you find yourself missing the, burden, the blessing that God intended for you. Or maybe you not, you not even realized that he had a blessing for you because you didn't see the call through long enough. So the whole earth had one common language, which would have been possible since all people were from one family, one of Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, or Japheth. Doesn't one language sound like it would be wonderful? The times I've been in a foreign country, I've been so humbled not being able to communicate and understand another person can do that for you. Not able to ask for something to drink or where the bathroom is or to get directions if you're lost is very humbling. But if we all had one language, we could understand each other. Maybe we wouldn't be so frustrated with each other and situations Maybe we could solve problems easier and quicker. But then I thought, maybe not. I have a hard enough time understanding my husband's thoughts, and we speak the same language. So let's go back to Genesis 9-1, where God blessed Noah and his sons by saying, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. A blessing is defined as God's favor and protection. Sometimes I think we can think of something God asks us to do as a burden or even a curse instead of a blessing, the way that God wants to show us favor and protect us. I know I can think this way if I don't remember and remind myself of who God is, that he is good, that he is loving, that he is kind, and he wants to bless me. Even when Becky asked me to teach today, I was challenged. Was I going to see this as a blessing or a burden and a curse? Um, so what we believe about God determines how we respond to him. What we believe about God 
determines how we respond to him. So these descendants of Adam and Noah decide they are wiser than God, and they get worried about spreading out away from each other, and someone has a great idea. Let's see how the people in Genesis 11 saw God's blessing. In verses 3 and 4 of chapter 11, they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone for mor- tar- and tar for mortar. Did they not believe God's promise that he would never destroy the earth by a flood again? They had to use waterproof tar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Notice, no one was talking to God about their plans. Notice, their plans were all about themselves. These goals and plans were an outward expression of the sin that was deep within them. One, let's make a name for ourselves. The love of human praise. We all like this. We all want to be known. We all want to be thought well thought thought well of. Look at her. She's so smart. She's so wise. She's so creative. She's such a good mom. She's such a great employee. Look how smart she is at school. She got into this school. Fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. Look how fit she is. We all want to be known and well thought of. The second thing is we don't want to be scattered. They didn't want to be scattered over the whole world. We all love security. We love people around us that we know. We don't want to be alone. We don't like risk at all. None of this is new, though. Remember, we are all from Adam, all from Noah, and we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all about glorifying ourselves, not God. Even the most dedicated Christ followers struggle with these two things, love of human praise not giving praise to God despite all that God has provided, and then seeking security from people apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And God allows us to make our choices, to make our plans for a while, but not forever. In his mercy and goodness and love, he restrains sin. In verse 5 it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Notice that LORD is all capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital capital D. This is the covenant-making and keeping God, the promise keeper. He is committed to people. Remember, he made the unconditional covenant with Noah, and he came down to see the city and the tower. This is an example of anthropomorphism, attributing a human characteristic or behavior to God. God knows and sees all. He didn't need to come down. But it's kind of a comical picture, if you think about it. The people of Babel, who thought they were building this majestic and tall tower to reach the heavens, but from God's perspective, it was puny. He had to come down to even see it. And then he recognizes there would be no limit to man's evil. Verse 6 says, the Lord said, is that... If, as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do then, this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So God restrains evil. He accomplishes his plan to fill the earth. God's plans will not be thwarted by man's plans 
before man's sin. Verse 7, God says, come, let us, a reference to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us all go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Confusing their language was God's discipline toward a rebellious people. To spread out the rebellious people and restrain the evil. I was in Colorado recently and in the Rocky Mountains National Park hiking with my husband um, in the wide open space, seeing God's bigness, his power in creation. And the people were all spread out hiking. It was nice to not be in a crowded city. It was so different. People were kinder, I felt like, there. Um, people were helping each other, giving each other advice about the hike. And I thought, how different that would be if I was in a city right now where we're not speaking and we're rude. And uh, Not that cities are bad, but, you know, but um, I did notice that difference. Um, so filling the earth was God's plan all along. That was his will, and his will will be done. He made the mountains majestic. He made the oceans vast. He made the sun brilliant and faithful to rise each morning. He wants us to see him and all people to know him and what he is like. But this made me think, is there something God has told me to do or to be and I have refused and gone my own way, deciding what I think is best because I'm finding my security in people I'm looking horizontally for affirmation and for praise instead of vertically. I'm deciding what I think is best. Or maybe it's because I'm more interested in making my name great instead of honoring God and making his name great. To glorify God means to make God known. If we go back to verse 4, it says, Come let us build so that we may make a name for ourselves. This is direct rebellion and opposition to God's desires for mankind. He wants people to know him, to love him, enjoy him, and glorify him. There's a song that I teach to little ones called, What is the Purpose of My Life? And I thought it might be fun to teach y'all this morning. It's really simple. And when I'll sing it first, and you'll listen to the words, and then you guys can sing with me. And it's real catchy. And you'll know that I'm not a potential choir member when I sing, okay? Um, but it goes like this. What is the purpose of my life? My purpose is to know God, enjoy him, love him, enjoy him, and glorify him. So sing with me this time, okay? What is the purpose of my life? My purpose is to know God, love him, enjoy him, and glorify him. You can even put hand motions to it if you like. Get ready. What is the purpose of my life? My purpose is to know God, love him, enjoy him, and glorify him. Good job. That's what I would tell the children. What now? Yes. 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 So now you know a new song. So he knows this is the only way for us to have life to the full, is to glorify him and know him. God is all about his people knowing him and making him known to others. In John 17, Jesus prayed for people to have unity so that the world will know of him. 
In Exodus 6-7, God reveals to Moses the plan to redeem the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt so that they would know that he is the Lord, their God. In Isaiah 49, speaking of Jesus, I will be a beacon to the Gentiles, then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob, Isaiah prophesies. In verse 8 of Genesis 11, the Lord scatters the people. He does what the people refuse to do themselves. What man was too afraid to do, what man was too insecure to do, what man was too prideful to do. See, God had a plan all along for the earth to be filled with his glory, for all people to know he is the one true living God who loves and cares for his people. Habakkuk and Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk prophesies that one day the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. See, God has a global plan for the whole earth to be filled with his glory, his radiance, his goodness, his kindness, his love, his compassion, his joy, his patience, his gentleness. One final encouragement I want to leave you with today is from a familiar story of the teenager David in the Bible facing the Philistine giant Goliath with only five smooth stones. But I want you to see in this story is the reason behind David's actions with Goliath. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 46, that he fought Goliath so that the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David did just what he had become good at doing as a shepherd boy, throwing rocks. God has gifted each one of us. He has given each of us a stone to use, not so that the world will know about us and how great we are, but so that the world will know that he is God and what he is like. I think I've counted 10 cities and 19 homes that I've lived in in my life. Whoa. Um, think about that movie, you know. So I love Acts 17, verses 24 to 29. And I thought this is a good summary for our Genesis study. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Lastly, just um, the last part of Genesis 11 and 10 through 32 is kind of a bridge between the genealogy of Noah and, um, and focuses directly on Shem, one of his sons, and sets up the family line of Abraham, the one man that God would work through to build the nation of Israel and a people group who would bring the Messiah into the world, the promised one, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. So truth about God that we can get from this study, I thought was that God is the sovereign creator. 
He is, the pers he is personally involved in his world and his people. The truth about mankind is that our purpose is to know, love, enjoy, and glorify God. We have inherited sin. We are rebellious people. We reject God's ways. But God is merciful, and he still blesses sinners. And the truth about Jesus is that he came to explain God to us so that we can know him. He is the word. He was in the beginning with God. He is God. Perhaps it's challenging for us to think about this holiday season and how we can make a name for God rather than for ourselves this Thanksgiving and Christmas. What would that look like? What changes would need to be involved? Often think about this time of year what the difference between hospitality and entertaining is. I think hospitality is the opportunity to make God known, to make his name great, whereas entertaining is making my name great, making a name for myself. Hospitality takes pressure off, ladies. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your word that is useful and for equipping us. And I pray that um, that has happened this morning and it will continue as the women meet in groups. Um, we thank you for being faithful to each one of us. And we want to make your name great. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. <laughs>